So all of you are locked up in this room and you can't open the door. Normally it's not locked with a key. You can open it any time. But the point is you have to find the key to be able to walk through the door. And now, coming to you from the K2 Studios in San Diego, California, it's the world-famous Chris and Christine Show. Hey, what's happening, everybody? How are you doing today? You know, thank you so much for listening, and I am Chris. And I'm Christine, and welcome to the... 97th episode of the Chris and Christine show. Do, 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 do. You almost forgot what episode we are on. I know. I had to think for a second because I was like, wait, are we at the 100th already? No, we're only three weeks away. You know, we're almost there to the big 100 episodes. But truth be told, don't tell anybody. We actually do have over 100 episodes in the Shh, can. You're not supposed to tell them that. So it's 100 normal episodes. How's that? Correctamundo, yeah. So, hey, baby, how has your week been? I know we've been back from vacation. This first, our first full official week, back to regular life. How was it for you? Oh, gosh, it was super busy. So I did go back into the office for two days because we're in a hybrid rotation. And, um, yeah, it was very busy getting the kiddos back to their other parents' houses and on Monday, I had to drive up to Universal Studios and drop Ezekiel Ooh. off with his dad. Wait, you dropped him off up there? You didn't stay up there and hang out? Of course not. No, I just dropped him off with his dad for his vacation with his dad. So Ezekiel is spending time with his dad up at Universal Studios for like the weekend or a week or something? They went for three days. They're home now. Yeah. And so um, he had a really great time, but I dropped him off and then I drove back. Um, but then other than that, you know, things of I was mentioning last week on the podcast how I started Christine Smith Designs, the Ooh, wedding, fancy. the wedding and event planning and floral design business. And it's going like gangbusters, babe. It's so busy. I only have one date left available for the entire year of 2021. Wait a second. So people have booked every day this year? Not every day. I have specific dates that I'll do it. And it's like up to two per month. And I'm completely booked. And then I already have, I think, four events for 2022 booked. No way. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. Thank you. Hey, speaking of being real busy, I know you took off to the flower fields up north to get some flowers. And yeah. So, and you took some uh, flowers back here and you designed your little flower things. And what do they call those flower designs? What are they called? Um, well, I was doing a styled shoot for my website and for my Instagram because when you're on social media, it's really important when you're like a service-based business like a florist that you actually show people what you're capable of and show them your process and so, so not like copy somebody else's photos right and yeah you don't just like say oh look at this person but um one of the pieces of feedback that i received from one of my brides is they really love to see some of my um more recent designs especially with the covid uh, shut down on so much of the wedding industry. You know, some of my stuff was, I had a couple of elopements that I did in the middle of COVID, but a lot of the stuff was from before I started my doctorate. And so you're right. I went to, first I went to Trader Joe's and Trader Joe's- Trader Joe's, for those who do not know, what is Trader Joe's? Trader Joe's is a store. It's kind of like a foo-foo store, where, not like Whole Foods, but it's like more organic and like locally sourced kind of stuff. But they always have great flowers at the front and they're really reasonably priced. And so if I don't want to go to a wholesaler and get like a huge bundle of flowers, I can go to Trader Joe's and you know drop 20 or 30 bucks and get enough to make a couple of bouquets and arrangements. However, after I went to Trader Joe's, the flower bug bit me. Not like literally. There's but a bug and a flower <laughs> and it bit you? Yeah. Are you, is it, it swollen now? Uh, 
well, yes, my heart is swollen because I love flowers <laughs> so much. But I had to put in a big order for one of my weddings. And so I drove up to uh, Carlsbad. I have one wholesaler that I work with. But another florist, actually the one who did our wedding, told me that there was another company that I could go with where I might potentially save money. And so the wholesaler I had been using, I requested to talk with them. I hadn't heard back. I actually haven't heard back for a week. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to give this other place a shot. And so I drove up to their location. And the thing with the flower marts is they're only open from 5 a.m. until noon or 1 p.m. What? So they're only open during the morning? They are because they get the flowers in fresh. Oh, right. That's when they pick the flowers, right? Well, they get the flower deliveries in straight from whatever airport. They're right up by Palomar Airport Road. And so a lot of those deliveries are flown in, huh? Oh, 100%. Yeah. So when you go in, when I went into this building and shout out to Ramirez Wholesale, which is where I went up and um, was able to go and select the flowers from. They're in this international floral trade show building. So when you walk in, there's like 14 different floral vendors that you can choose from. And all over, there's like these different stalls you walk into. So imagine a huge warehouse and like a walkway with like the yellow paint like you would see on like the street or whatever to mark off like, like don't walk in these areas. But it marks off each of the different flower vendors. And so you walk in, there's like 14 different flower vendors. And so you can go to one. And pick what you want. And if you don't see what you want there, you just walk over to the vendor 10 feet away from them. So it's like the Amazon of like flower stuff. But kind like of, in per- but it's but in all person. there. In person. Everything's in buckets. They have these huge refrigerators that you can just walk into. Oh, nice. So Ramirez Wholesale gave me a tour of their um, cooler section. And I kid you not, there had to have been like, I don't know, maybe... 3,000 roses in like different bundles and oh it was like a flower florist dream there and so they had stuff on their floor and then in their cooler and so I picked these flowers up they're dahlias they're only in season during a certain time of year and I saw these and they were as big as the palm of my hand no way they were huge like a big sunflower but so much prettier fantastic what, and, co- what color are they by the way well, they're called Cafe Olay, which, of course, I mm. attracted me like, ooh, coffee, Cafe Olay. Oh. But they were, um, depending on the flower, some of them were cream on the center with like slightly okay, yellow what, what tinges. flavor were they again? <laughs> um, this was a, a non-fat vanilla latte. No. So some were white with like slightly yellow tips, but then other ones were white with like a little bit of a brown, brownish kind of beige tinge. And then other ones were white with pink and they were so beautiful And I got these like orangey colored smaller dahlias. And so I ended up spending like, I don't know, 30 or $40 on additional flowers. And then I brought them home. And that night I was just playing with flowers. And then the next day, so this was on Wednesday night, I decided to go out to Sunset Cliffs and do a styled shoot of all of my flowers. So I took my car, took my wagon full of my supplies just found a really great spot where I had a view of the ocean and put out my bouquets I'd already made, made some additional bouquets, made some garlands, had fabric, set it out, styled it up. And if you go over to my Instagram, which is Christine Smith Designs, and it's Christine with a K, you can see some of my ocean view, beautiful floral designs. And I was just so happy. I think that like Working with flowers helps me stretch a creative muscle that I haven't been able to stretch for a while because I've been so focused on like work and school. 
Oh, that's fantastic. I have a question about those flyers down sure. there. Sure. Did you happen to sell them off like people sell to like, you see a couple walking by <laughs> and they'll sell you a rose? The lady will no, sell I didn't sell them. I did give them. I gifted the bouquet. So I had uh, three full bouquets and then I had bundles of other stuff. Like I had a bundle of lavender that I'd done a photo of and um, some greenery and stuff like that. And people were walking by and I offered it to them and it just made people's well, day. Did they take it? Or they oh, of course. Like the first few people, they were looking at me. I was like, it's free. I just finished doing a shoot with them. I don't want to toss them. And the thing is too, with flowers, they do die. But the, right. but the photos will last forever. Exactly. And so for me, for business purposes, I just needed the photos. And that makes it like fulfilling its obligation for business purposes and tax purposes. And there are your flowers. They're not somebody mm-hmm. else's flowers, which just makes it so much better right. and personal. Yeah. Also, I have a one big question about these sure. flowers. Where they come in, what countries, what part of the world do these, com- these flowers are from? Do they say where they're made? Or? Yeah. So what's really interesting on the roses is when you pick up a bundle of roses, they'll have – every rose has a name. So it's not just a color. Wait, they name them like, uh, this is Joe. This one's uh, Betty. Yeah. This one's, really? Yeah. So um, like the red roses, I got some red Paris roses. So they were called Paris and they're this like deep red. Okay. Okay. And then there was um, some that I was ordering for a wedding. They were called shimmer and they were like a pink kind of color, but they look kind of shimmery um, just by the way that they're grown. And then like there's Vendela, there's Eskimos, Akitos. Every rose has a name. Really? Yeah, every flower has a name. Are they all f- like places where they were made? Or well, no. So, um, thank you. That was the other question you asked me. No, a lot of the flowers come from Colombia and South America. Why? Why there? The climate is really conducive to growing roses. But um, yeah, a lot of South American, and then there's a lot of local ones in Carlsbad because you know the Carlsbad flower fields. They grow a lot of ranunculus up there. But don't they have? They don't have a lot of roses up there, do they? Uh, n- there's some locally grown roses. They're not as big, but they grow ranunculus and then another flower called lisianthus, and then a lot of succulents. Succulent city up there because we are in the desert climate after all. Yeah, Valley Center. They have a lot of succulent farms up there. That's fantastic. Now I wonder now. Now, they're always said South America is where they grow a lot of these flowers. A lot of them in Holland. Of- mm-hmm. Now, are they flying them directly to the airport there? Yeah. So they'll either come in um, there or they'll come in on um, trucks to Los Angeles and then they'll be driven down because up in L.A. is a really big flower market also. But L.A. and San Diego have really big floral suppliers. And so, uh, yeah, we have a really big market for it. And it's really interesting because if you live like in the Midwest, flowers right. can be yeah. a lot more expensive. Oh, yeah. I was going to ask you about that. How do, like, if you live in like, say, Kansas or something, how do you get flowers? I mean, same process, right? They get flown in from South America? Right. But the difference is like I can go directly to a wholesaler and depending on where you live, there may or may not be a flower wholesaler. And so then people just have to go directly to like florists or you order them online and have them shipped directly to you from growers in South America, which you can do too. It's just a little bit more, it's a little bit more convoluted because sometimes the suppliers specialize in just roses. And when I do a wedding, I'm getting roses, I'm getting ranunculus, I'm getting garden roses. Like they all come from different places. And the benefit of going through a wholesaler is I give them my order and they source it out for me. And then I just go pick it up and I get wholesale cost and I don't pay tax until I resell it. Well, look, because you're a business. Yeah. Business Christina in the house. I know. I've been learning so much, and I'm really appreciative of you supporting me with this because it really has helped me find a lot of joy in things to do in the evening. So I'm not just like 
sitting on the couch binge watching Netflix, which I still do here and there. But I really feel like I'm helping people, especially after COVID and so many weddings being rescheduled. So many of the brides and and the couples, because I work with couples of all compositions, you know, grooms and grooms, brides and brides, brides and grooms, all of the above. Any, any weird things like a pet and a person kind of thing? <laughs> no, come on. Don't be silly like or, that. Or, you know, I saw this one show where this guy wanted was in love with his car and it was like Mary's car. Okay. <laughs> Not <laughs> That's off topic. So the point is, I love helping people and I love bringing joy through whether it's wedding coordination or floral design and I'm just meeting some really lovely people. So... Yeah, that's how my week has been going and work is status quo. I'm working on a lot of big projects and things like that, but that's about it for me. But what about for you? It was your first week back from vacation, right? Uh, you know, first week back from vacation, first week back from doing anything. I mean, I was off for 10 whole days, 10 whole days off. You come back, it's it's a hard adjustment, you know? I mean, it's not super easy, but you get used to it by the day two, it gets a little better. But for day one, oh, forget. I'm like... Oh, here I am and drag my feet and trying to relearn all the different things you kind of like didn't have to think about until right. you come back to work. That's kind of what it's like your first week of back. So I went through my first week. It's in the books. It's done. Here we are to the weekend, Saturday, my favorite day of the week. Aw. Well, well, I'm happy to hear that. And get, so we're podcasting. Uh, and spend time with you, baby. Oh, thanks. Except I'm going out for a girls' night tonight. What? You are? How, yes. da- how dare you? What, what am I going to do now? Um, Boys' night. I know. Me and the little kids. We're going to watch probably some Netflix or some movies or eat some ice cream. Who knows what we're going to do? Yeah. I'll be back. I mean, after you know, dinner Speaking time. of businesses, you know, when you have a business uh, and, you have, and you're married and you have a business together... Yeah, you know, speaking of that, I was filing all of the documents for my business and I had to look at like whether or not I was going to file as a sole proprietor or start a partnership. But then, you know, I worried about being married and having a business together. How do you think that would go for us? You know what? I think we, we this podcast, in a way, kind of is a business. Kind of, but we almost it. kill each other every week. Well, that's what happens. <laughs> <laughs> that's how you do it. Well, I don't know how we would function in a partnership, but you know who does is our guest for this week. And we are going to be hearing from this fabulous couple. They are a dynamic duo right after this. Hey there, K2 crew. We love having you as our loyal listeners. To keep up to date with what's happening behind the scenes, check us out on social media. Yeah, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter. And don't forget to follow our Facebook page. Yeah, tag us in your favorite fun stories. And guess what? You might just end up on the show. Today's episode is brought to you by HelloFresh. Do you feel like you're stuck in that dinner rut? You know, like, what do you want for dinner? I don't know. What do you want for dinner? Well, with HelloFresh, you get fresh, pre-measured ingredients with mouth-watering seasonal recipes delivered right to your door. Skip all those lines at the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. You can now enjoy cooking and get dinner on the table in 30 minutes or less with 25 recipes to choose from each week, there's something for everyone to enjoy. All recipes are designed and tested by professional chefs and nutritional experts to ensure deliciousness and simplicity. Some of those recipes are chicken and biscuit pot pie with carrots, celery, and fresh thyme, figgy balsamic pork cutlets with roasted green beans and rosemary potatoes, lemon cream chicken cutlets plus dilly potatoes and green beans, and taqueria pork bowls, which is a takeout favorite, with corn esquites, sour cream, and cilantro. Go to the link in our show notes to get $80 off, including free shipping, 
on HelloFresh, the number one meal kit. And welcome back, everybody. Today, we have not one, but two VIP guests. We have not only a CEO, but also a president of an up-and-coming company called Maximize. They are a power couple making power moves. Welcome to the show, Rahel and Matthew Heineke. Thank you so much, Chris and Christine. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here. Yes, it is. Thank you. Well, thanks, guys. Thanks for showing up today. We appreciate this. It's not guys. It's thank you, folks. Folks, I'm sorry. Gender neutral language. Uh, yeah, it's true. <laughs> I, I got to work on that. I you know? know. We're working on that. It's our equity language. You know, every couple has their things they're working on, right? <laughs> right. right. We're doing the same thing. So, yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, where in the world are the two of you joining us from today? We're in the Piedmont Triad area of North Carolina, so it's kind of Ooh. the upper central region where Winston-Salem, Greensboro. Fantastic. I, I was in North Carolina. Actually, now it's been a long time, I think, about Don't it. date yourself, old man. I know, but <laughs> the last time I was there, I was in Asheville and went to that uh, castle. What's the, it? Is it the Biltmore Mansion? Yes, yeah. the, oh, the yeah. Biltmore. That was the last time I was there. Was that pretty oh, cool, wow. Chris? Oh, it was pretty awesome. It was like a being in a big castle. Like I, was, I felt I th- <laughs> you actually would love it because it felt like I was in one of those like castles from New um, Downton Abbey. Yeah, yeah, all that <laughs> stuff we like to watch. Wonderful. Yeah, we, we've been in that area. I think Asheville. We've been we actually got married not far from there, but we haven't actually got a chance to visit the castle yet. We didn't. No, oh, I haven't done that yet. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of being married, how long have the two of you been married? It's been five years. Woohoo, five awesome years. Wow. Yep. <laughs> so you're still quasi newlyweds. Yeah. <laughs> is that still considered a new, newlywed if you're like five years I in? I think anything under I seven. Know, right? You must well, have me. I don't know. It I, feels I feel like, like we're newlyweds. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's so sweet. That so sweet. Well, how did the two of you meet? Uh, we met online. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So was it, uh, now we still say met online. There's a few different ways you can go. You can go like, uh, well, they follow me on Instagram, or maybe they were in a chat room, or maybe it was an actual dating site. So how was it oh, for you guys? It's definitely a dating site. <laughs> oh, awesome. Well, so did Chris and I. We met on Match.com. Which one was your awesome. guys's? It was Tinder, actually. Woo! <laughs> you know what? Fire. I, I've had, actually, I have several friends that have met their spouses on Tinder. And uh-huh. I think if you do it right, then you can find true love. Well, Absolutely. I love to hear Tinder success stories. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, the two of you have been married for five years and you live in North Carolina. Um, but let's dig into a little bit more of your background. If I can ask some like individual questions, can you, Rahel, tell us a little bit of your personal and professional background? Yeah. So personally, I am originally from East Africa, Tanzania, but uh, I left my country when I was 10 and then moved to Europe and grew up there until my late teens. Oh, wow. And then I moved again from there and went to Kenya for some time and then to Canada and then to the United States. So I'm a bit of a traveler. Um, career wise, well, I came to the United States because I was going to school for industrial design. So I got my bachelor's in Columbus, Ohio. And then I got my master's in Savannah, Georgia, doing design still. And then what brought me here to North Carolina is I started working for uh, Honda Jet with the engineering. So oh, I don't wow. know how I came from designing to engineering, but somehow <laughs> there I was. And uh, yeah, it's been it's been like that since I've stayed in engineering for a while until I met Matt and now I'm doing other things. <laughs> oh, wow. That's amazing. So 
you worked in the engineering field. Is that what I heard? Yes. Uh-huh. What kinds of things did you do in that line of work? So I was a manufacturing engineer for the interiors of the aircraft. So my master's is interiors uh, and furniture design. So I kind of is a combination of design and engineering is what I was doing for the aircraft. Uh, it's been aerospace for the most part. So Rahel, uh, you were doing the design for the within these commercial airlines or what? No, they are all private, private executive aircraft. Yeah. Okay, so I was gonna I was gonna ask you <laughs> why are the seats getting smaller and smaller? Yeah. <laughs> I what can't are you doing? answer that. But I think Matt can answer that because he was with that at some point. <laughs> that, that's true. Yeah, I worked at uh, BE Aerospace, which is now called Collins Aerospace, and they did all the interiors for passenger class and. Uh, business class and passenger class seating. And so, yeah, they're getting smaller because the seats cost uh, some money. And oh, the weight, okay. The weight of the seats. Uh, and I mean, but what I mean by cost is that you, the more seats you have, the more people you can put on airplanes so they right. can make, make more money. Mm-hmm. But does it make it heavier though? So, so like, doesn't it kind of oh, offset like the fuel you got to use? Uh, it does, but really the airline's goal is to fill those seats Fill the airplane full. I guess the more people you can put in, the more money you can get so you can pay for that fuel. <laughs> that makes sense. But I was going to say that the easy answer would be that the seats are getting smaller because they don't have the expert expertise of Matthew and Rahel, you know, advising them behind <laughs> no, the scenes. Exactly <laughs> <what it is. laughs> but um, thanks, Rahel, for telling us a bit about your personal professional sure. background. Uh, Matthew, do you mind sharing a little bit about you and your background? Sure. Yeah, I, I grew up in Salt Lake City, Utah. Uh, so I'm a mountain man. I uh, spent a lot of time playing sports and being outdoors growing up. And then uh, I went to the University of Utah, got my degree in mechanical engineering because I, I like doing art. So I took some art classes and I like science. I took some physics and I said, well, I like you know both mixing those together. M- engineering seems like it's a little bit of art and science. So, so I went that route and lived in Oregon for a couple of years and then Southern California and Ooh. then moved, moved out here in, it's been about 16 years, I think we've been out here in North Carolina. So oh, it's, wow. Where in Southern California did you reside? Uh, I lived in, uh, it was called uh, Foothill Ranch, which is huh. in Irvine. So it's, it's uh, Got it. Orange County. We're in San Diego. That's why we ask. We're SoCal uh-huh. people. So, you know, we're. I drove through that area last night coming back down from L.A., but uh, nice. Southern California, hard. Love it. <laughs> oh, yeah, so, no. Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, sorry. I was just saying, yeah, we used to, we'd go to San Diego all the time. I remember we saw the, the aircraft carrier down there and the gaslight district and all that. Oh, yeah. We used to go, yeah. I used to take the kids down there. Before I met Christine, I used to take my little boys down to the Midway Museum on the aircraft carrier. I got little YouTube videos of the kids running around the aircraft carrier, pushing all the buttons and sitting in the cockpits and having a fun time with that. I thought you were going to go a different direction with that, Chris, when he was talking about the gas lamp district where before Christine, I thought you were going to talk about oh. your weekend. Oh, that, <laughs> that, is, that is true. Oh. That was, it's, not the, it's not the red light district. It's the oh, definitely not. <laughs> Well, so the two of you uh, reside in North Carolina, and it sounds like you both have some similar backgrounds with like some artistic and creative stuff, and then also the engineering background. Uh, And then you met and got married. Do you have kiddos? Yes, we do. I uh, came in with two at the time he had his two, and then we had one together. So we have five. Wow. Five kids. How do you guys do it? So you have five (laughs) kiddos? Yes, we have five kids. 
Wow. How do, how do you manage that? Because Chris and I just got back from a road trip with our three boys. We have a blended family. Uh, I had one son coming in and he had two. And we were on the road for seven days. I think we wanted to die. <laughs> it's definitely challenging. For sure, especially how, how because hours. <laughs> how old Sorry. are the kids? Like, what's the age bracket on these kids? Yeah, I was just about to say that we have an eighteen-year-old girl, sixteen-year-old boy, ten-year-old girl, seven-year-old boy, and three-year-old girl. Oh wow, that's a lot. And yeah. and so, like, do you travel very much? Like, can you give us any tips on how to not die while going on family <laughs> vacation? Uh, take Rahel, who's a big planner. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I tried. I tried to plan it. And, it, you know, we have the three boys. And so it was sibling rivalry a lot. But yeah. we got to love them. You know, one of the things that I struggle with is coming up with good activities and games for them. Is that something that you two have any expertise in? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, we've. Well, we have, we love games. And yeah. that, that's what we're all about. And it's, it is challenging, especially with the family with the age difference from three to 18. And there's, mm. it's hard to find things that everybody wants to do. You know, mm. not everybody wants to see the, the new Disney movie and not everybody mm. likes to go bowling. So mm. it is a challenge for sure. Right. Well, I guess the older child can watch the younger child. So you guys can go out and have a date night, right? <laughs> no, that's a negative. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm going out. I forget 18 year olds out on the town on their own. Right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, you mentioned that um, games is something that the two of you do now, both being from a design standpoint and a, then kind of an engineering mind. Uh, what does that mean that you, games is what you do? Hmm. I think it's more that, uh, well, we, we used to play a lot of escape room games. We still do. And those have a lot of, uh, you have to think a lot. At the same time, you're having fun. So it kind of tickles our brain in the in the engineering way. And then just having fun while you're thinking at the same time was kind of an interesting mix of things. And I mean, we enjoy board games and things like that, but it's just, just thinking really It's the, it's the complex thinking, I think. Yeah. I mean, the, the, you know, our business is, is based on the escape room types of games. So yeah, there's this, these kind of puzzles, these cognitive challenges. So you have to use logic and reasoning, mm-hmm. Uh, to to create these puzzles, but we also have this artistic side. So the it's it's it would be boring if it was just a bunch of words on the paper. So we need to mm-hmm. come up with like a story. It's an alien adventure, or you're lost in a Mayan tomb, or there's some spies you need to catch. And along with that, we need to design uh, how it looks to make you f- at least have some feel that you're part of this adventure. Mm-hmm. So okay, for those who may not know, what is an escape room game or escape game? So an escape room game, it's a, it's, it's a kind of, okay, it used to exist in Asia, like I think it's Japan or something, since the early 2000s. And then it became more popular here in 2007. And it's where you go in a room and you get locked up for one hour. The room is usually themed, so you could be like uh, in a spaceship or you could be in, in a, what would be an alien something, you know. And everything in there is designed to make you feel like you are actually in the space or the theme that you're in. And there's usually an urgency. So you have this one hour and you see the clock ticking and you have a mission. So all of you are locked up in this room and you can't open the door. Normally it's not locked with the key. You can open it any time. But the point is you have to find the key to be able to walk through the door. 
And there's like a sequence of um, puzzles and clues and challenges inside the room that lead you through the room in finding the key. So you solve one, you you find a set of codes. You use that code to open another lock. You open that lock, you find another puzzle. And you keep on doing that until you find the final key that will open the door. I that love is it. That's <laughs> not no, that, it's really it cool. Like some, yeah, go ahead. It feels like you're part of the adventure. You know, it's like being in the movie instead of watching the exactly. movie. Yeah. And, and yeah, you get to use your brain. It gets people off their phones. They're interacting with each other. They're being social. And you're all trying to accomplish this mission together. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, I think it's just yeah. has so many cool aspects yeah. to it. Yeah. And most of the time you can play that with any age. We're able to play with any age, like especially in our family dynamics with the different ages we have. Anyone can play. It's just okay. The younger ones might not be able to participate as much, but they enjoy being part of the story, part of the movie right. to think like they can do something. So it's been great. Now, where I'm a little bit stuck, and I'm going to need you to help me through this, is... Yes, Christina's actually inside a a escape room right now. No, I'm not. (laughs) Uh, Sometimes I feel like it, but uh, I am extremely claustrophobic. So, like, how big are we talking these rooms are? Is it like a coffin? Is it like uh, you can barely move around? Coffin. Well, I don't know. Uh, I mean, if you're there just with a couple of people, like, are we talking about, like, a teeny tiny closet where, like, Uh it's like... It's in a porta potty Well, no. Because I've never actually, I'm going to admit this, and this is being recorded, I've never been in an escape room, and I've been petrified of doing it because of the claustrophobia Mm -hmm, factor. Huh, that's very interesting. So, to answer your question, they can be any size. It depends on the theme. Like, once we were in Vegas, and we were in a coffin. Matt and I, yeah. and we were alone, and there was just a little hole between me and Matt, (gasps) so we can see each other with one eye. And oh my gosh. To, and it's dark. <laughs> so <laughs> it just depends on the theme. But we've been in some places where it's pretty big. It's a big room, like a, a pretty big room. It's like if you're sent back in a in a castle back in the day to be wide open with all everything like in the medieval times, you know. So the space depends on the theme. They make it really theme related. But to answer your second question of the fear of a space and being enclosed. It's something we also noticed in our business that most people we ask, have you played in escape room? The reason why they haven't is because they don't like this uh, being locked up in a room. Right. So actually Matt and I, uh, just before COVID, we had removed that concept. Of, there was no rooms. We took those away and we just kept little stations uh, that were still themed, but the, you didn't have to fear about being locked up. There was no lock. Your goal was just to go through this little cabinet box and find your way inside of it that was it and and so yeah that's, yeah. yeah it was kind of like turning an escape room inside out so instead of trying to break out of, of it you were breaking into it yeah oh interesting that's a good idea you know i've been to a professional learning session because i'm in education where they did this um they called it like an escape room scavenger hunt and we had a toolbox and there was different puzzles we had to solve um, is that kind of like what you're talking about, where it was like who could you had like 30 minutes to go through these different things and work as a team? Is that kind of along the lines of what the two of you do? Yeah, I think it's very similar. And in, in, in fact, we even had uh, a version of ours that was similar to a scavenger hunt where you would mm-hmm. go to different places and solve solve puzzles along the way. Yeah, I think the only difference I'll say with the scavenger hunt, one is you're walking around a bigger space. You're not locked up in one area. Oh, yeah. But also the type of puzzle sometimes is slightly different. Uh, I feel like the ones in an escape room, there was a bigger variety. The ones in a, in a um, scavenger hunt felt more like find this flag. It's like find it among this 
like a rumble of things there and you have to find a flag inside of it or something. So it's kind of hidden. But the challenges in the escape room are more like you have to think a little bit outside the box. You have to make things relate or find how they relate instead of just looking to find something just to find it. Are the two of you fans of the show Big Brother or Survivor? I've watched it. <laughs> okay. so what you're describing sounds like some of those challenges they do on that on those shows. Ah, yeah, I think I've, I've similar. Yeah, I've, I've seen I've seen both of those shows, and I used to watch Survivor a little bit when I was younger. Well, it sounds like uh, you know you you're talking about this concept of like challenges and having people like learn and bond through challenges. And so I read in your bio that your uh, Rahel, your CEO, and Matthew, your president of a company called Maximize, and you've been talking about games. So can you tell us a bit about what Maximize is and like what your mission is? Mm-hmm. So yeah, so Maximize is more, so we took that idea of uh, escape rooms and we, th- we, we realized through watching all these teams playing that when people walked into those rooms, they could be very different people, like the different ages, different uh, nationalities, but they all forget what those differences are. And they just focus on, can we just get the key to get out of this room? And so we looked at that one aspect as well as how much they communicate between each other. And we could see something that relates to our relationship with Matt and I. We're very different. And so communication is what makes us uh, stronger. So we were like, how do we combine uh, the, the communications, strengthening communications and forgetting our differences and just focus on a common goal? And that's what Maximize is. It's a, a tool that we have It's where you play the game online and it's to help teams better communicate and accomplish what their goal is. Forget the differences between us and focus on how these differences actually is a strength to how we can uh, accomplish our goal together. So that's really kind of a mission. We're trying to uh, get people to be more um, self-aware of the things they do and say and get to know each other better because through knowing other people is where you can better communicate when you know what their background is. That helps you know how they're going to think through something. So that's kind of the overall. Would you like to add, Matt? Yeah, so I'll give you more. I'm more the the details person, so <laughs> I'll give you the the details of the the mechanics of it. Um, and the way it works is that we do um, first. We start out with an assessment, so we'll assess the team, have them take a survey, and then we play a couple games together, and we use some artificial intelligence and some computing to analyze their their communication. So we analyze the text from the transcript. And we look mm. at 26 different areas of communication. You know, are they being encouraging? Are they validating each other? Um, or are they being discouraging? Or are they... Um, interrupting. Interrupting. Or are they monopolizing the conversation? You, know, you can see from the data that, oh, one person spoke 40% of the time and two people only spoke 5% of the time. So it's really interesting to have that insight and that feedback from just playing a game. And then from there, we also teach... Things like psychological safety, emotional intelligence, personality discovery, and inclusive communication. And we ask them to practice those skills while they're playing this game. Yeah, I think I want to emphasize on that. I think that's one of our major things that we uh, strive to do is that right now teaching seems to be something you go to a class and watch someone or you have a seminar for one day or a couple of hours and call it a day and that's teaching. But for us, we look at both of us have played sports before uh, in high school or college and we saw how in teams 
the best way to learn is when you're, you're given a small bit of information and then you practice it over and over until you're comfortable and then you get feedback. Every time you practice, you get feedback. And so in Maximize, we want to train the same way. So we do these games in an hour, every hour, uh, one hour sessions, every like once or twice a week. And we give you small bits of information and you get to just practice over and over. So uh, it's like we train the athlete to become champions and it doesn't happen overnight. That makes a lot of sense. Now, I'm listening to you and I'm thinking about, you know, Chris and I always think about the connection to this to us personally. And one of the things that we observed, as we were mentioning, we just went on vacation recently and we're trying to navigate the dynamics of helping not only our communication to be strong in our marriage relationship, but also communication with our children. And what you're mentioning sounds like it could not only be a really helpful tool in a professional context, but to help families and specifically blended families. Because if you think about it, you had these two different organizations, for a lack of better term, Mm -hmm. two different families that are coming together and trying to figure out how to become a new functional team. So other than your family, have you used any of these games and products to help families with their communication at all? It's interesting that you ask because I think we've heard that several times. A lot of people have told us that. So, yeah, we definitely see this as a tool that could be very helpful for blended families, for families in general, as you mentioned. And so that's something we're definitely looking into trying. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'd super encourage you to, but that sounded so, so Valley Girl. I'd super encourage you. <laughs> I'd, like, super, totally. I'd super encourage you to <laughs> oh, explore yeah. that. Um, no, I'd really encourage you to explore that because I think about when there's friction in our relationship, a lot of times it's because I'm getting too in my head and too serious. And Chris likes to keep things light and playful. And there's a miscommunication in that. Mm -hmm. Or there is some of the things like you talked about, like figuring out if you're sharing the airtime in terms of communication. And I feel like, gosh, this is a really helpful tool professionally too. So like what kinds of organizations do you work with and um, how have you seen them grow as a result of this? Yeah, so, so far we've worked with the healthcare, a lot of healthcare and construction companies. Uh, we, we're looking mainly for companies who are like have global teams, teams that are different from each other, working from a separate space, um, teams that are in transition or just merged, uh, you know, things like that. But um, yeah, those are the industries that we see right now uh, needing this the most seems to be healthcare. Really? But, uh, Why do you say healthcare? Why would you say that? I, that's interesting because even I didn't realize that I was going after healthcare, but healthcare is who has been reaching out to us the most. So, is it because you know. that the different people in different regions have different methods of medicine? They mm-hmm. all want the same goal at the end, fix the person, yeah. but there are yeah. different ways they do it. But if you think of it, Chris, healthcare has been so overstressed during this time and overburdened, and especially like confined from other people. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's to help with connection. I don't know. Yeah, that's a good thought. Yeah, it could be that. Yeah, I think, I mean, in healthcare, it's, uh, you know, communication obviously is very important, mm-hmm. right? Because people's lives depend on it. I mean, we're not we're not training surgical teams, but I think they might have that, that mentality. They understand the importance of communication and that it's something that they constantly need to be working on in order to improve. Mm. That's awesome. So how long ago did you launch uh, this branch of Maximize or is Maximize itself a, a- just a brand new pre-COVID company? 
So actually, Maximize concept was born during COVID um, when we closed out the, the, the mine gym, which was where we had the stations without the rooms. Um, COVID kind of forced us to shut that down because it was more of a place you had to come and physically experience. Right. Um, yeah. So yeah, the Maximize concept started in October after we went through an accelerator program. And you know we were made to think, you know how can we do this, but do it virtually? And so that's where Maximize was born. And in February is when we actually launched officially because that's when we had a product that we could actually sell. So yeah, since February this year. Fantastic. Yeah, that's super exciting. And so off of, you know, in addition to Maximize, I believe you also have some type of a, um, is it a podcast or like a video channel that you you do also? Yeah. So we interview people in, in our space and people who are interested in communication and culture and diversity. And uh, we do the same kind of like you, we do a podcast and a YouTube video, and then we post the transcript to our blog as well. Well, you guys got all the co- you covered all the bases. Yeah, <laughs> trying to maximize the SEO. As You're at- maximizing, maximize. There you go. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Well, so you know, on a little bit of a more personal note, as the two of you have navigated through this major business change in the midst of COVID and you're married and your business partners working together, how do you maintain sanity? Because I know sometimes Chris and I get into creative differences and friction huh. in the creative well, what's process. That about, huh? What's up with that, huh? <laughs> but, you know, since you all are the you know CEO and president of FUN, uh, how do you navigate that and still be productive? It's definitely a lot of talking, a lot of communication. Um, we 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 kind of use our own product. We don't just uh, teach it, but we really are living it because we've realized or found out that we have different personality styles. Our cultures, we've learned more about our cultures. And now when we are talking and like Matt will say something and in my head, I'll be like, well, he's going into the weeds because that's his personality. So <laughs> I'm just going to calm down now as much as I want to be like, shut up. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us how you really feel, right? Now. <laughs> exactly. So it's a lot of understanding you know, understanding each other uh, deeper, as, as deep as you can get. And I really, really have to say the the understanding each other deeply is what makes our conversation um, easier to navigate. You know, we don't argue as much because we now understand why he's thinking that way or why he's talking that way or how he's thinking or, or maybe just what he wants at that particular time because it's just expressing that, oh, I just needed a hug. Okay, you could have just said that. So, <laughs> what know, guys so don't express it too easily like that, you know? <laughs> yeah. No, I, th- I mean, I agree with Rahel. It's, it's really, you know, a lot about just being curious about each other. And true, the more the more that you know or understand about someone, you you understand why they said that or why they did that, and, and it makes sense to you. And I think also that we, uh, you know, learning more about the different ways that we communicate. And learning about these things like like psychological safety, like emotional intelligence, you know, now I can kind of say, okay, what, how am I feeling right now? Do I feel, am I getting angry? Am I getting frustrated? Maybe I need to not say that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then yeah. also it, it comes again to the common goal. I know that he loved me at the end of the day. He's only trying to do this to help us. It's, it's not, he's not saying this to hurt me or to be against me. We're together as one unit and that is the goal is to stay together, keep on loving each other. So when you understand that and know that as a fact, it doesn't matter when we don't agree. It's just delivery. It's just understanding where he's at. But I know our goal is the same. 
And do you yeah. find that mentality helpful for you when you're approaching working with different organizations? Because if you think of a, a company, it's kind of like a relationship, kind of like a family. Do you try to do that same thing, help everybody anchor into a common goal? Absolutely, 100%. That, in, fact, in our games, they have one goal. Usually it's like, all right, find the code to this box or something. And everyone is focused on just finding that code. It is the same in relationship. It is the same in teams in businesses. So, yes, we, we definitely apply that to the teams we work with. Yeah, I think one thing that's been helpful for me that I learned recently is, uh, you know, when there's a problem and you can say, well, it's your problem or it's my problem. And you can sit there and argue back and forth. But when you take a step back and you say, there's a problem, it involves both of us. So now it's now it's the problem for both of us to solve. It's not just your problem or my problem. Let's solve this problem together. Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I, that makes a lot of sense because the minute that you stop looking at it as some person's property, like labeling that problem as, you know, property of Chris or Christine mm-hmm. or Matthew or Rahel, and you make it the object that you're solving, it seems like it would be a little bit easier to tackle. But that whole process of um, eliminating blame, it, it can be so ingrained. And especially in like organizational cultures where people are so used to, you know, blaming their bosses or the bosses blaming the employees. Like, how do you navigate mm-hmm. that through your process? Yeah. So I think, I mean, it's just that between Rahel and I, I think we, you know, we just take a step back and we realize, okay, what is, you know, what is the problem? Let's define it. And we both know that whatever the problem is, it's something that we need to solve. And, and by solving it, that's only going to take us further. And I think another big piece of all of that is, is honesty, is just being brutally honest and, you know, saying things that, you know, you might be thinking or, or have done and you don't, you don't, you're scared to share that with somebody. So that's kind of like the psychological safety part. Psychological safety says uh, if you, in a team, you want to be uh, able to speak your mind, speak up, say what you think, whether it's a new idea or something that you think might be a problem without being any fear that you're going to be criticized or condemned for what you just said. Mm-hmm. And and to say about the the problem, sometimes it's like, like you said, you have to, to say, what what is the problem? And I think I have a good example for when Matt and I had to do that. You know, he, he likes to work all the way, like he will pick a topic and go dive deep real quick. Like, you know, we, we have to do this website. So he's going to do all the little pieces all really quickly. And I'm the one who has to look, I look at the whole process from a higher point. So like one time we were doing, uh, we were looking at how to make this product the best product it could be. So I, I said, okay, Matt, let's stop. I'm going to write on the board all the processes that the customer is going to go through so we can address each one of them individually and see where can we be the best? Where can we do better? And he was like, no, I just think we need to pick one of them and just dive and get to it right now. <laughs> I'm just sitting over here talking about it. I'm like, well, wait, wait. <laughs> so, you know, sometimes it's just define the problem. And then I explain to him, I'm doing this because I need to see the whole picture, but we know we're going, we want to make the best product. So when he understood that our goal is the same, we just have different ways of doing it. Then he was able to just give me an hour and we walked through it. And then I heard what he has to do. And then we all jumped into the work. Do you guys find that be a very productive way to get stuff done when you guys have two different approaches to the same problem? Well, it causes for definite uh, some moments of friction. <laughs> right. Yeah, it, 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 that's a great question, Chris, because, you know, if I'm I'm listening through like how we 
where we find struggles in our creative process. And I, I think Rahal, I'm a bit more of a big picture and like methodical planning kind of person. Mm-hmm. Um, and just from my perception, it sounds like Chris, you and, and Matthew have a, a similar approach. So mm-hmm. any advice you could provide to us w- that would help alleviate any of our friction would be very helpful. <laughs> well, it looks like you already solved the first part. You already know that it's different. So you recognize it. So recognition is the first step. Now you know that's what he likes to do, just like I know that's what Matt does. So we can accommodate each other. When those moments come, I know what he's going to do and he knows what I'm going to do and why I'm doing what I'm doing or what he's doing. So any it's advice, also Matt? Good, also good to like really kind of play up each person's strengths, you know, mm-hmm. and because and, 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 you're all going for the same goal anyways. But mm-hmm. but if Christine's good at one thing, I'm good at another. We mm-hmm. kind of can use those to combine forces and uh, create the ultimate product we possibly can. Oh, yeah, that's that's absolutely right. We we definitely play on that because there's some areas where you need to be detailed. And that's where I let Matt do those. And some areas where you have to look at the bigger picture. So Matt lets me do those kind of assignment. And because of those differences, we're able to work through our products much better and from different perspectives, which I feel, you know, if someone doesn't have those kind of two views, you know, you might just be stuck in one way. But this makes us more rounded, more more creative, in fact, because I can't see things from the way he, he sees it. And he can't see the way I see. But together, we come up with crazy ideas. Yeah, and I, I, think, I think one thing that we've learned is that uh, it's really important to define who does what. And okay, the, the, yeah. I think the areas that we we kind of had the most conflict was when we were both doing the same thing. And so there were some times when I would take over and she says, I thought I was doing that. And I was like, oh, yeah. And so <laughs> <laughs> uh, so as far as uh, yeah, defining, you know, knowing what each other's role is, I think is super important. Then you're not stepping on each other's feet and you use a kind of a clear boundary that, yes, you're going to do this. I'm going to do that. And we let each other just do it because we know that we trust that person has the skills and the strengths and the ability to get it done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that I was wondering about that. You know, you mentioned the big T word trust, and it makes me think of the relationship between trust and vulnerability. And I'm thinking of the two of you, you're married, you have a family together, and now you have this business, which is your livelihood, and it could be like a make it or break it kind of deal. So there's a whole lot of trust that goes in that for like, your success or failure. So how do you navigate that um, being able to trust each other that you're not going to fail in your business? Yeah, I think again, for me, the, the most important aspect to trust is honesty. So the more honest, the more you share with somebody else, the more they, they start to trust you mm-hmm. because they feel like, Oh, you were, you know, you were able to share that, that vulnerable item that you just shared with me that must really mean that you trust me. And so therefore, okay, I'll share something with you. And the more you do that, the more you start to to let go of the vulnerability and, and start to trust each other. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really good point. And, you know, I think that when I've heard, so we, there's been some big news over the last like seven or eight months of some high profile couples that were in business together um, separating and, you know, ending their business oh, relationship. Oh, I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah. And so, <laughs> yeah, and, I I know. <laughs> and so it just makes me wonder, like, 
I've always hesitated to go into the same line of work as my partner. And I even told Chris, I was like, I don't want to do a podcast on the long term. I said, I don't want to because I don't want to be that that couple that goes into business together and then it becomes a business partnership and you lose track of the love relationship. And so Mm -hmm. how do the two of you find that you keep that balance, especially during COVID where we're working from home, like where does, where do you draw the line between uh, roles at home and that romantic relationship versus like when to shut off the business? Hmm. I think we set up straight calendars. It's like um, a schedule. It's really, we're going to work from this time to this time. When this time hits, you can't be working anymore. We're going to spend time with the kids. And Hmm. uh, yeah, it's, it's tough at first. But also we take time with each other, a lot of time with each other, whenever we can. Uh, So, you know, we will have babysitter come and we'll take a night out and just forget about work. Let's just remind ourselves about each other, you know, just why we enjoy each other. You know, you have to remind us because sometimes you're working so much and I feel like you forget about you too, you know, the two of us. So definitely having a schedule and keeping up with the, you know, with our relationship at the same time. It's tough, but it's doable. So you're saying yeah. keep a schedule is good. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, you know, if it was up to me, I'd, I'd just work 24 seven. Oh so, man. Yeah. So you and Chris are yeah. like besties. Yeah. Oh my well, word. Yeah. Me too. I'm not keep, thinking about it 24 <laughs> seven. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I love to work and get things done, but she, yeah, she keeps me in check and, and because she does love to plan and organize these things. Uh, that's great. You know, cause I'm not a, a big planner or organizer, so it works out. So I think also just letting the other person be them and do what they love to do. Uh, that's also an important part of the the relationship and not trying to, to change them or, or make them do it your way, you know, just let them do it their way and let them be happy being who they are. Mm-hmm. That sounds wonderful. And it sounds like the two of you have just such great knowledge, not only about relationships, but about business. And so um, where can our listeners find your business, find you on social media, this is your time to shamelessly plug yourself. <laughs> yeah, sure. So uh, the, our company is spelled Maximize, M-A-X-I-M-Y-Z. And we're on Facebook, LinkedIn, uh, and that's that's our website, www.maximize.com. Oh, fantastic. That's awesome. And so if our listeners are interested, um, they can reach out to you for professional services around Maximize for team building and learning through play. Is that correct? Yeah. Team building, uh, improving communication skills within teams, uh, improving culture and and understanding of each other. And also, you know, we're, we're happy to partner with any other leadership coaches or, or coaches or uh, companies who provide training as well. Wonderful. And it sounds like you have a really great product to offer to our listeners, especially as some companies are only now starting to think about coming back in person. The fact that you've been able to innovate in the middle of a pandemic and come up with a completely virtual product to support with um, that communication piece and team building to transition teams back more effectively just seems like it's it's such a great option. Yeah, definitely. It's uh, it's definitely um, a good option if uh, teams are coming back together and you still want to keep those relationships strong. Is I think it's a, a great way to go right now. Yeah, with you know this kind of hybrid work that they're talking about, uh, it's going to be uncomfortable for people. Mm-hmm. And and there's they're talking about the great uh, 
when you, I don't know, but it's not migration. The, 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 the great migration. The, well, <laughs> the the, the, great, from, yeah. the great resign. You know, everybody's oh, yeah. resigning now, and so you're going to have new. You're going to need to need to hire new people, and they need to be, uh, you know, brought in and and feel feel like they're they're included and they belong. So I think our product is great for that. Have you guys seen any challenges? Um, with people coming back to the workforce, people coming back in person with your product or services, have you had any situations where where they kind of like, we're all coming back, we've been out for a year plus, some people have, they're coming back to the office. Has there been any challenges with that? For uh, for, uh, for us or for the businesses? The, the, the businesses, because you say you train other businesses, it says you train... Uh, oh, right. So when, like, you were, when you're working with the organizations and they've been doing the online interactions with you all as they start to transition back have you heard any feedback that there's been like bumps in the road the only thing i mean we spoke to someone today who said that uh you know people want to be able to see each other face to face but uh there is that uncomfortableness when they they do come back to the office they're not used to seeing each other face to face and being together but they do want to do more things together it's kind of weird. It's, it's like it's like the feeling you get when you've been on a deserted island and you come back home and you're like, "Woo, what's all this stuff?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like the first day of school feeling. Oh, that too. Yeah. yeah, first day back to school, being out for summer, and you come back to the classroom. You gotta like take yeah. notes and use a pencil. I mean, what's this thing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, what would be your best advice to all of our leaders that are listening and employees as they're um, transitioning back, whether it's to hybrid work or in person work? Uh, what would be your tips for surviving the workplace and thriving post-pandemic? Yeah, I think uh, just be patient, for one. You know, anytime you you make a change, you, your brain is so used to doing things a certain way. And it kind of creates these neural pathways that get stronger and stronger. And so anytime you, you change your environment or change the way you do something, your brain will resist because it's it's hard work. It's exercise to to make new neural pathways. And you just need to be patient and diligent, and uh, I think you'll get through it. But yeah, spend spend time talking to each other about it. Talk, you know, talk about how uncomfortable it is. Sharing those those thoughts, those vulnerabilities, like you mentioned, is what will help you overcome them. Mm-hmm. And I also think the um, companies need to be flexible. To remain very flexible. We've gone through something as a as a people, and we are changed. We are not the same. And so I, th- I think more companies need to, to remember that and keep that in mind that, you know, we're not going to be the same people you had before. We're going to be different. So you have to be more flexible now. We, we, we have hurt. We, we have pains. And, it, you know, like Matt said, you know, be patient and be willing to accommodate a little bit more than you did before. That is such sage advice. And so listeners, if you would like to connect with Rahel and Matthew, you can find them at Maximize. And again, that's M-A-X-I-M-Y-Z across their social media platforms. And Rahel and Matthew Heineke, thank you so much for being with us today on the show. Yeah, thank you very much, Chris and Christine. Thank you a lot. Yeah, thank you both very, very much. This has been great. The Dishonorable Weirdo Abigail will now speak. Attention all weirdos. Losers, rednecks, white trash, aliens, outcasts, outliers, sluts, whores, gangsters, thugs, poors, and anyone else who the world and society don't care about. I have a podcast for you. Come join me at the Manic Pixie Weirdo where we talk about all the different kinds of relationships we have in our lives. 
From movies to math and suicide hotlines to sex. Join us every Saturday for a new episode featuring yours truly and other smarter folk. We need you and we want you with us. So come join us at the Manic Pixie Weirdo, where we accept, respect, and value you. Listen on Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh yeah, be kind and stay weird. You know, that was so fantastic to have the Heineke's on the show today. Yeah, it was. I really loved Rahel and Matthew. They were just very insightful. I loved hearing about how they function in business together and... You know, I was thinking about some of the tips around communication that they talked about. And do you think that we could put some of those into place to help us be more successful? You know what? I think we should start our own escape room in the house. How about that? (laughs) Um, No, because what would end up happening is you locking me in the bathroom because I'm too sassy and you being like, now figure out how to escape. No clues. (laughs) Yes. I I think they should take the escape room to the next level where they actually it's like more of a Houdini escape thing. (laughs) Like you're you're bound by like a like chains and you're hanging upside down. Okay, that's, escape escape that, buddy. That's a different type of a podcast that we are family friendly. I think you're going in a different direction. Well, like men- Fifty Shades of Grey. Well, did it mention? <laughs> the, yeah. Well, the red room. Escape the red room. No. Okay, let's get back on track. It was very insightful, and I loved hearing from them uh, talking about team building. And I definitely could see how the strategies that they engage in with corporate teams would really also be beneficial in a blended family. Oh, absolutely. I think the the bottom line is that everybody, at the end of the day, we're all trying to be focused on the same goal, which is make a loving, caring family and actually be happy and enjoy each other's company. We want to succeed. We all want to have decent jobs. We all want to be successful at our jobs. We all want to be able to pay for the house and pay for things and get along. And, and we want it. If you go to, uh, if you're a kid and you're in school, you want, you would like to have straight A's. It doesn't always happen, but you would, that's the goal. So if everybody has the same goal in mind, we all can be focused using our strengths and weaknesses to kind of develop things towards that goal. Yeah, I agree. And I think that what's really hard after you come out of being single for a while is you get so independent and used to fending for yourself that sometimes it becomes like, this feeling of competition, not intentionally, it's kind of subtle, but it can kind of like creep up in relationships. And so I think I it's helpful for me to keep reminding myself whenever I feel like miffed or something like that, like, okay, we're on the same team. We're working towards the same goal. Stop taking things so personally, Christine. Like yeah. it's not about you. Oh, c- come on. You're the one that takes it personally all the time. Like, well, no, I do uh, not. <laughs> Yes, you do. Uh, Well, if you say so, baby. Yes, I do say so. And what I say is the truth. So if you'd like more information about uh, Maximize and Rahel and Matthew Heineke, then you can definitely check out our show notes. And I think that they have a lot to offer for corporations, especially as we're, you know, looking at this COVID recovery for businesses. And, you know, one of the things that I'm trying to be mindful of as I go back to the workplace is how to help navigate that you know, kind of hybrid environment where some people are away and some people are in person. I think that like tips like this are just so helpful. It's fantastic. And I got to drop a good old fantastic. I've done that in a while. And if you want to find out more about the famous Chris and Christine show, you can go to our website. That is www.chrisandchristineshow.com. And that's Chris and Christine with K's. And we will be back with another fantastic episode next week. Next week. (laughs) Remember this week, that life is too short to wake up in the morning with regret. So love the people who treat you right, forget about the ones who don't,
and believe that everything happens for a reason. If you get a chance, take it. If it changes your life, let it. Nobody said that it would be easy. They just promised it would be worth it. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm Chris. And I'm Christine. And until next week, keep moving forward.